Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello and welcome to Just Films and That. This is the podcast that celebrates films we think might be underrated, underseen, and sometimes we even talk about those classic films to try and figure out why they might be a classic. And that is exactly what we're doing this week. Josh has picked Rebel Without a Cause from 1955. So let's get to it. So, Josh, before we get stuck in to Rebel Without a Cause, I believe we've got a bit of an exciting announcement to make. A little bit of newsy news is, is what we've got for the guys at home. I yes. love news. You love news. You love <laughs> old. Do. Um, do. Like this week's film. Uh, so, yeah, basically, starting next week, starting with next week's episode, we are going to be launching our Patreon. Um, loads Whoa. of tiers available. We'll put more details out near the time. But if you go on patreon.com forward slash just films and that, you'll see all the tiers there where you can get lots of extra content, a few of it extra bits, suggest episodes, get in touch, loads of stuff. We'll put it all out there uh, next week when it comes out. But yeah, check it out, patreon.com forward slash just films and that. A little bit of extra money. It's not a lot of extra money, but you might be able to get a bit of extra content and uh, contribute towards the show, which would be much appreciated. So yeah, exciting. Patron. It's about bloody time, isn't yeah. it, that we they did this? Out, how they, long have we yeah. been doing this How now? long have I been saying to you, I'm going to set a patron up and you've I'll gone, I'll do the yeah, patron. Right. He says yeah. it every time. This is yeah. the year. It's happening, guys. This is it. It's happening. 20, yeah. Always took the end of 2022. That's, uh, yeah. that's, that was what I've always said that. I've always said before the World Cup. Yeah, um, that was it. That was always yeah, the so, line. So that's the news. Uh, let's get on with the show. So, Josh, as I said, you picked this week's film and you went with Rebel Without a Cause from 1955. Wow. So, spoiler warning, listeners, if you haven't seen that one. So, Josh, do tell us what is the film about and why did you pick it? What is the film about? Well, it's about a rebel. Mm. And he's looking for his cause. He's looking for it. I don't think he can find and it. And he it. can't find it. And oh. the film is... No. So the film is essentially about three characters, played by James Dean, Natalie Wood, and another guy whose name's gone out of my head, Sal Minio. Uh, and they play three sort of middle-class disillusioned teenagers in the 50s. And it's a film that's a little bit about generational divides and all sorts of themes and stuff like that. That's basically what it's about. Um, I'm not going to go into it any more than that. Why did I pick it? Well, Alice, James Dean, isn't it? James Dean. Of the music James scene. Dean. Oh, yeah, and that one as well. So many, so many songs written about or around James Dean. I, I think we've already answered our question as to whether this is a yeah. classic or not, my friend. So, yeah, so similarly, <laughs> with you picking Gentlemen Prefer Blondes because we wanted to do a Marilyn Monroe film, well, similarly mm-hmm. with James Dean, he didn't do many films, um, obviously tragically died very, very young before this even came out. 
Um, oh, was it really? It was. Oh, my and, goodness. And, and so I wanted to, you know, I wanted to, similar to Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, delve into mm-hmm. an icon's, uh, the film he's probably most associated with, um, you know, the red jacket, the leaning up against the wall, the smoking, the cars, the 50s, all that sort of stuff. Very and I, cute. And, uh, so yeah. very cute. And, uh, yeah, he's so cool. <laughs> Such a rebel. Without a cause, he's not got a cause, has he? So, <laughs> so that's that's why I picked it because basically James Dean and I wanted to know. Um, I want to know James Dean. Yeah. I want to know Daniel Bedingfield. Yeah. Bet you've not heard you, of that, have you? Did you? <laughs> no. <laughs> you've not heard Sorry. James Dean I'm with not, the, the, the Daniel Bedingfield, not the man. Well, no, I had heard. I had heard of the man, but no, not from, not familiar. I think I only know one Daniel Bedingfield song. To be honest, gotta get oh, through this. I gotta get through Which this. Which you think at the start of every episode. Every episode, like, I gotta get fucking <laughs> through this. If you're not the one, if you're not the one, if you're not the one, yeah, a bit more, a yeah. bit more. Or the ones that he did, or the ones that he did. Others, others, yeah, other, 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 other tracks. Um, so you hadn't seen a, a James Dean film before? No, I, take I hadn't. It. This and, was and, the first and like, one. Uh, he didn't. He hasn't. He didn't do many. Um, no. I think it was, I don't even, I think it was like four or five. Really, yeah. Or something like that. He did this. So there was this that came out after he died and Giant, which came out after he died, and East of Eden as well. And I think there's some other stuff, but I don't know the massive ins and outs of it. So no, I'd never seen a James mm-hmm. Dean film before. What about you? No, I hadn't. And when you said it, like I knew that the title of that film was very iconic and it was one that in the back of my mind, I was going to watch this eventually, like whether mm. for the podcast or, or just of my own accord, because it, I just kind of, I had to, I think. And this podcast is sort of, as 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 um, sort of reinvigorated a love for classic film mm. that I'd, I sort of had throughout college and uni because, you know, you're presented with these films and then I hadn't really gone back to them and then now I'm back into it. Uh, so, yeah, I was really excited for this one, really looking forward to it. Um, so, first of all, then, Josh, in general, how did you feel coming away from this? What did you expect and then what did you feel? Go. A mixture of things, really. I think, overall, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot to like in there, which we'll get into. I also came away from it feeling really sad. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously it's quite a, it's, you know, it does deal with a lot of societal issues of the time, but also mm-hmm. you go, you're watching it knowing that he died before it came out. Yeah. And not only that, but actually a little fact before we get into it, which, which does sort of frame how you watch the film, which is all three leads in this film died in tragic circumstances. Oh, really? So oh James Dean died um, in a car accident when he was 24. Natalie Wood, who's the female lead in the film, died in sort of, I don't really know the ins and outs of it. I know there's a lot of sort of conspiracy theories, but essentially she died oh. on a boat. Ah, and and okay. there's theories of how that happened and who right. did it and if anyone mm-hmm. did it, etc. And then uh, the Salminio, who plays Plato, he was mugged and, and killed in a mugging. Oh, my goodness. Um, oh, so, wow. so, yeah, which I never knew going into it. So that sort of oh. sense of... It, Way to bring the mood down, yeah. man. And then, and then let, let's finish it now. It's going to have a cry. Yeah. Uh, no, but no, cry so, 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 Danny Beddingfield. It, <laughs> if you're not the one. Um, if I, I, um, so, so that... I didn't know that going into it. I knew about James Dean, but I didn't know about mm. the other ones. So yeah. overall, I mean, I thought there was loads to like in this. Let's mm-hmm. start by getting into the performances. Okay. I think, you know, it's pretty well performed all around, but let's let's mm-hmm. talk about James Dean's character because I think he is 23, 24 in this and he's carrying mm-hmm. a, quite a big film at the time, mm-hmm. which is not something you see that much of these days. A lot of people, you know, they, they play older um, or they, they're cast older or whatever. You don't see a lot of films in this day and age dealing with this sort of 
this sort of topic, which I think was interesting. Mm -hmm. And I thought he carries the film really well. He's got a lot to do in this film. So not only is he incredibly sort of charming and handsome and watchable, but there's a lot of balance in what he has to do because he has to find this balance and this relationship between being cool and troubled, but also being vulnerable and masculine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I thought he did it really, really well. I thought it portrayed his sort of frustration and repression at his circumstances really, really well. Other two, the other sort of two lead performances from Sal Mineo and Natalie Wood were really good as well. Enjoyed that, and and then all the older cast members around them, uh, sort of giving very, very stellar supporting performances, supporting the sort of younger leads and stuff. So, I, so really, really enjoyed that. And then, and then the other thing as well is I loved elements of the script. Mm-hmm. On you know the first point about the script is the dialogue. I really like the way that it's written. Um, you know, the, it's a lot more the dialogue is a lot more naturalistic. If you look at some of the other classic films we've done from around the time, so like Gentlemen Prefer Blondes or The Great Dictator, now they're a lot more melodramatic in the way that mm-hmm. they're presented. I mean, obviously Gentlemen Prefer Blondes is, is, a, is a musical, musical and, and yep. Great Dictator is, is you know, only 10 years before this, but it's still, uh, the world was so different when, when they made that versus this. Mm. So it's a lot more naturalistic. So it does, again, it feels like you're watching... It does feel like, I know we've said this before, but it feels like you're watching a play. It feels like you're watching, you know, Streetcar Named Desire or, or, or something like that. Um, and then and then, and then then add to that as well, I thought there were some really good themes that the film brought up around things like masculinity, morality, mm-hmm. generational differences and that sort of thing. And then add to that as a whole package, you can really see you know, the influence of this film on other films. And I think it's quite interesting when you do a podcast like this and when we both love our films and stuff, when you go back and watch these classic films, one of the real joys of them is to go, oh, that influenced that or that influenced that. So obviously Mm -hmm. things like Back to the Future. So like Back to the Future is set in the 50s, right? Around the time this is set. So there's a lot of stuff that I was look, watching in this film. Like that looks a lot like Back to the Future, like the cars and the way that it looks, but also things like, the dialogue, the way they speak to each other, calling him a chicken, which is a big part of Back to the Future and that sort of thing. And mm. then there's other things as well. Like, I don't know, one thing I noticed was like Titanic. That I, You know, if you look at the way this film and other films influence Titanic, and it's that feeling of like being trapped by your status and being trapped by your family. This film, it, it does that as well. And then obviously you've got The Room <laughs> and oh, The Disaster oh, Artist. Gosh. Which, well, um, yeah, well, which, well, which, well. Which, 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 you know, if for those who don't know, for those, for those who are familiar with the room, the you're tearing me apart. You're tearing me lean. apart. That comes from this film. That's not an original line. Yeah. So Tommy Wiseau mm-hmm. really, really wanted to be James Dean. And there's a yeah. bit in it where James Dean's character says, you're tearing me apart to his parents. And mm-hmm. you can't watch it now without, if you've seen the room, you can't watch it without thinking of Tommy. Yeah, yeah, and, and and unfortunately, and it's it's a bit of a shame because that's obviously meant to be quite a serious yeah. and you know yeah. a, um, a a significant moment. But yeah, I laughed. Of course, I laughed, <laughs> and I was you know it was it was a great moment, but I think for the wrong reasons. Yeah. So so overall, yeah, that you know that's what I liked. I liked a lot about it, but the performances, the script, and the sort of legacy of the film I thought were mm-hmm. quite clear to see and quite clear to to be enjoyed really so what about you what what did you like about it 
so I did, you've touched on a, like most of this already, but yes, I did quite enjoy uh, some of the ideas and the themes that are explored here, particularly around kind of teenage angst and men's mental health. Mm. So Jim seems to be really struggling with his mental health and he's not sure how to process it. And the people around him don't really know how to process it either. And during one of the first sequences, he starts crying, but like he's not called a wimp. A wimp. The film doesn't expect him to man up and his emotions aren't ever painted in a negative way. And I thought this was really progressive for the time mm. and I feel like and we've said this already about some of the other classic films we've done so now I'm starting to wonder really if our impression or our view of classic films and narratives is all wrong because it almost feels like there was a period of time perhaps through the 50s and maybe into the 60s where we did see some really progressive and sophisticated scripts and stories but then things kind of got worse as the film industry expanded and evolved and then now we've come back around again as we become like more socially aware, more socially conscious. So I don't know, but it's always interesting to see like when these things, when you take a look back at classic films and I was just surprised at how they dealt with that sort of thing. And mm. it wasn't for a joke. It wasn't like, you know, no, it shows, very it, sensitive it and shows, stuff. It really shows male vulnerability. Yeah, And, and yeah. things like you say around, around masculinity. Like one of the big things in this film is that Jim, James Dean's character, is absolutely desperate for his dad to sort of stick up for him and be what his idea of a man, in inverted mm. commas, is. And he's not. Which is, mm. if you think, it's a really interesting idea, that for a sort of 70-odd, you know, almost 70-year-old film. Absolutely. Um, and, and and as we've said before, I think we said with Gentlemen Before Fur Blondes, how can these films be more progressive in their ideas mm. than some comedies and some other films from from the, like, early 2000s and late 90s? It's, it's mad. Yeah. It's mad, the sort of journey that... that morals and, and, and representation and all that sort of stuff has gone on, mm-hmm. you know, over that period. Because this film, you, you, it could have been made now. Mm-hmm. There's, mm-hmm. there's not really anything in it that, that do you think massively dates it. Not, not at all, actually. And I, I hadn't really thought of that. And I guess when we, you know, considering if it's a classic, what makes it a classic, but that would certainly give it like a few points in that regard, is that yeah. there was no character and there was no circumstance that kind of made you go, oh God, oh, you know, make, you know, like how there's a bit in uh, Breakfast at Tiffany's with some real negative like representation. It's <laughs> yeah. like, oh God, like it's just toe curling and it's cringy it's, mad, and it's yeah. awful. And then there wasn't any of that in no. this. At uh, all so, so, you know, save for the, the fact that you can sort of tell by the dialogue and the, the way that, you know, some of the words they use that it's aged a little bit. And yeah, okay, the, there's no, absolutely no diversity in the cast, more or less. Oh, but, yeah, well, but yeah. Other than that, you can, you, you, you could, you could say this was made now. Yeah, not, it's not offensively bad. And no. some recent films truly are. Um, so yeah, like you touched on it there. So there's this exploration into kind of, what you would call, I guess, non-traditional masculine, air quotes I use, traits from his dad, who seems to be a bit scared of his wife, so Jim's mum. And then Jim is quite vocal about the fact that he doesn't love the way that his mum treats his dad and wishes he'd stand up for himself. And he seems to have quite a complex relationship with his parents that I think goes beyond just being a moody teenager. And again, it's quite an interesting take and not something that I was expecting to see in a film from the 50s. Mm. Um, And then the thread about like teenage angst and about feeling like you don't belong and feeling lost and so unsure of yourself I think James Dean really captures the essence of these things really well so he's like this flawed character he says early in the film when he gets taken into the police station for being drunk that he just wants to hit somebody and he's definitely not perfect and he's not this all-american guy and I do like that and in general Mm. I thought that all the performances were pretty strong and the script was good for the most part like you said um 
What did you think of, just... What did you think of him? What did you think of James Dean? It, it was so... So I didn't feel... So, you know, when we watched, and I know we keep going back to it, but they were the two best ones, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes and The Great Dictator. Yeah. <laughs> so when we were watching Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, like when Marilyn Monroe and Jane Russell were on screen, like I really, like I really felt something. Like there was, there was like gravitas there. I was like, wow, look at these like women go sort of thing. Mm. And I felt the same with Charlie Chaplin as well. Didn't quite feel the same no. thing. No. Um, and I think that's to do with a few other reasons that we'll get into yeah, in the dislikes. Yeah. But in, in, in a way, I didn't quite connect with this film as strongly as I have done with others. Yeah. Um, because you've got but a yeah, cause, all the performances. You? You're a rebel with a cause. So I've got, I have got a cause. You've Listen, a if cause. you're going to be a rebel, you've got to have, have, have one. If you're going to have one, first day of rebel school, <laughs> yeah. you pick your Don't cause. Don't talk about rebel school. Yeah. And then yeah. day two. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so what, what else? What else? Yeah, just touching on, uh, so touching off, sorry, from uh, like the performances and the script and that. So I just wanted to highlight my favorite part in the whole film, um, which is where Jim, so he sees his love interest, Judy, so that's Natalie Wood, uh, walking past his house. And to say hello to her, he jumps up in the air, so his head just pokes up over the fence for a second and says, hi. And that just really tickled me. I thought it was such a funny, <laughs> weird thing to do, not in a million years but there is did so, I expect yeah, to see him jumping some, like that. It there is so some funny. little funny moments in there as well, because obviously James Dean, you associate him with, with being the king of cool. And you associate it with being very, with, very withdrawn. He's a little bit but dorky. yeah, there's bits in it where there's, so there's that <laughs> bit where he's being particularly dorky. But there's also the bit where that made me laugh is when he's doing the police siren. So he's in the he's in the police station and the siren's going past and he's going. And the guy's going stop that. That's funny. That's really funny. That's right. Yeah. And again, it's sort of not quite, you don't quite expect to see that sort of humour, A, in a film that's so old, and B, I guess, from someone like James Dean, who, like you say, he's like, oh, he's too cool, like the hair, the smolder, like all yeah. this. And it's like, oh, no, he's just going, <laughs> in the police station. Um, I really loved some of the, like, factors, techniques, and then just general points that remind you of old films and remind you that you're watching an old film. So we've got a bit of through-the-keyhole uh, cinematography going on. I think it's when Jim is looking through the door of the police interrogation room at his family who have come to picking pick him up uh, you've also got these camera movements that make it feel like the camera is massive and heavy and being moved around by about three different people mm. um and then as the family are leaving the police station the dad pulls out a handful of cigars and offers them to the police and i was just like again just not something you'd see just what not something lad. you'd see it was <laughs> like it's the most natural thing ever it's like oh cigar and he's got like a, a stash of cigars mm. that he's been carrying around in his pocket. I just really like that. Um, and just finally, something interesting that I noted in this as well. So many of the actors, for me, resemble actors that are around today. So potentially indicating either that Hollywood really does have a type or that people have styled themselves on these classic mm. actors, right? So Channing Tatum looks so similar to James Dean. Obviously, he's a much more stacked James Dean. But if you look at, look at their faces, the eyes, the nose, mm. they look so, so similar. Um, I could see a touch of Leo in there as well. So then I think it's so interesting is, that you mentioned the Titanic. Do you think, like, is James Dean, is he, like, classically handsome? When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. 
At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I mean, he's he's not not handsome, like he's not He's not my like I I wouldn't necessarily go not for that. I'm much more I'm much more like you know Keanu Reeves long mm. long dark hair that that's sort of where I'm at mm. sort of thing. Um, but he's like he's not not attractive. Like I'm not blind. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> but it would make sense that people if people were to model themselves on him. And I think as well didn't isn't Fry from Futurama like isn't his outfit? Based no, on James it? Dean in this film this, with the red it? jacket and the white T-shirt. That makes sense. That might though, be yeah. true or it might be a coincidence, but I think there might be something to that. Um, so not just him. So Natalie Wood, uh, who plays Judy, looks exactly like Anna Friel. Do you know what, you know who Anna Friel is, don't you? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Did you not notice any of this? Oh my gosh, you need to go back and look at these pictures side by side. But then obviously, if she looks like Anna Friel, then but you know, by default, she looks a bit like Zoe Deschanel and then also Katy Perry at the same time. Um, and even some of the side characters. So I thought I saw a guy in there who looked really like Toby Maguire, and then another one who looked like Harry Styles. And I just thought it was something quite interesting. And and I, you know, is it that Hollywood just likes, you know, people who look like that? Is that a type we're that also Hollywood in has? It, I think also a lot of I don't, you know, I'm not a particularly fashionable person or anything, but a lot of the 50s fashion's back in now, isn't it? Like the the mm. hair and the, a lot of the clothes and stuff like that. So that vintage look probably well, really, hair, probably, yeah. probably really helps that idea that they, they look similar. Like you say. definitely see Zoe Deschanel uh, slash Katy Perry with um, with Natalie Wood. I would, I, Anna Friel didn't come to mind. Like, it's the big eyes, isn't it? Big eyes, brown hair. Yeah, yeah honestly, yeah. Get, bring up a picture of Anna Friel and then Natalie yeah. Wood together side by side yeah. and see what you think. And do the same with Channing Tatum and James Dean as well. Mm. I can't be the first person who's thought this. 
We'll move on now then to talking about anything that we perhaps didn't like about the film or anything that we would change. Uh, so, Josh, let's come to you first. What are you thinking here? So there is one big issue with this, which is one we've sort of tackled before, which is around exposition. So I feel like I wanted more from certain characters' backstories to sort of know more about their motivations and mm -hmm. the reasons for them being the way they are. Now, this is... I believe, based on a book, mm. but I believe it's not, I don't think it's like a novel. I don't think it's mm -hmm. a, it's, you know, it's a prose or anything like that. I think it's, it might be a psychiatrist book about the sort of mind, uh, like a, the, the mindset of a teenager. I'm okay, not, yeah. I'm not 100% certain, but mm -hmm. the impression I got was because it is based on a book, perhaps they've, I don't really know the ins and outs of the book, but if it is based on a book where there's characters, then they didn't do enough in in constructing those characters. So I'm not too sure, but taking the book issue out of it, I think the film needs to explore the expositions around stuff other than the odd brief scenes. So for example, it starts with all three of the main characters in the same police station. They're mm -hmm. all there for different reasons and you, and, and you, they're all there for different specific reasons. But the idea is that they're all sort of disillusioned with their home life for various reasons. So Jim, you know, his parents are always bickering and his dad isn't what he thinks of as a man, so he really struggles with that. Um, Judy really struggles with the sort of idea that a dad doesn't love her since she's become older. And Plato really struggles with the idea that his parents just aren't there and he's sort of being raised by his housekeeper. Um, and all three of them actually have different daddy issues, basically. Mm -hmm. And I think more probably could have been done with that. But a lot of it is really unclear. So, for example... The main character, Jim, is really, really dysfunctional. He's really, really torn up. And it's hinted that his family have moved him around a lot mm -hmm. because yeah. of him being dysfunctional. Like maybe mm. he's got into trouble at different schools, got in trouble with the police. But you never actually find out what that is. And you never actually find out what has happened. All you know is that at the first sign of trouble, the mum insists that they move and he doesn't want to, blada, blada, blada. Um and then again, same with it, same same with Judy's character. You know, she seems to really have this want for love of her dad. And she doesn't get it, but it's not clear why she doesn't get it. Mm. Uh, and then say same with Plato, because Plato is particularly yeah. sort of is really struggling in this film, it's really messed mm -hmm. up, and, and spoilers, it ends up ends up with his death. So I think we needed more exposition in general around the motivations of the characters in order to form more of an attachment to them, be able to form more of a sort of a rationale around them. I mean, it starts one of the things, one of the reasons Plato. Did you catch why Plato's in prison um, in the jail in the police station? He did he shoot a load of puppies? Shot a load of puppies. Yeah. So I was like, well, fuck Plato. Yeah. Like I was like, yeah. Uh, like mm -hmm. I, I, mm -hmm. I immediately was like, well. That's all. I know. Obviously, this is a long time ago when an animal rights has come on a long way and all that. We don't mm -hmm. need to get on with that. But he still shot a load of puppies, right? He did. So, you've got the shoot the puppy moment at the very beginning yeah, of the so, film. So, I, yes, animal rights have come on, but at the end of the day, dogs are pretty beloved by yeah, a lot since of they a were lot wolves, of, man. Yeah, since they a were lot, wolves, a lot we of loved people. Them. So, so you still even back then you must have people go, "Hang on, what? You shot a load of." puppies like because yeah. that immediately makes you go well i can't get on board with this character like, yeah, he's I, one hate that, one, yeah, I one hate you yeah an absolute awful you. person but then and i yes, wonder yes, oh, sorry go on no sorry i just i wonder though if that's to really highlight how troubled he is so you've yeah. got like say jim's character he's like oh well he's just he's drank too much he's being a bit drunk and disorderly so then he's mm. in the police station for that it's like well what did Plato do oh he shot a load of puppies and that's like that's a few it's levels like beyond just being drunk right? gear. he's a bit yeah. pissed yeah. she was found wandering about what did the third guy do 
I just shot a bag of puppies. What? Exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's, it's a bit of, of this, a bit of that. It's the different levels, <laughs> like isn't it? It's hell, like the different of levels puppies. of transgression. Like, yeah. But then he does, like you said, he does end up dead at the end yeah, of the film. He does, and he, he is really troubled. He's like, very isn't troubled, he? So yeah. much more troubled than and, the others. It's, it's unclear. I suppose the other thing with him is it doesn't, you know, it doesn't make it look like he's, it's a good thing that he's killed all these no, puppies. No, he's you're not all, you're, like crowning you're, him for shooting you're, the puppies. You're unclear how you're supposed to feel about him because he does mm-hmm. seem very troubled but also very wide-eyed and innocent and looking up to Jim as a father figure and all this, but so troubled to the point where, like you say, it, it ends up with him being killed by the police because he's running mm. at the police. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so there's a, there's a bit of element around more backstory, particularly the main three characters, and then other stuff like... So Buzz, who's one of the antagonists, hates Jim. Mm-hmm. You don't really know why, other than the fact that he's the new kid. He's and the there's new a kid few, in town, man. Yeah, there's a takes. few. There's a few plot beats, isn't it? That's like mm. because we need X, Y, and Z to happen. Indeed, so we need Buzz, you to have a car race. We need yeah. you to fall off the cliff. So, <laughs> so Buzz doesn't like Jim. Uh-huh. Um, at first, Judy doesn't. Judy and Jim have no relationship, and then they seem yeah. to go from no relationship to being sort of young sweethearts within, within the space of a couple within, of hours. Within the space of a couple of hours. <laughs> We've all been there, Alice. We've all We're, fallen oh, in love. Yes. You make you make you make shot a bag of puppies. Exactly. You're in an abandoned you're in high house. school at age twenty five. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's what there. it's like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a little bit of that, and then and then other things where like obviously Buzz then dies in the chicken run, mm-hmm. or when they're playing chicken. And then all his mates go after them, but you don't know any of them are. They're just his mm. mates, and they're just completely yeah. and utterly faceless. Uh-huh. Like there's bits where they're looking for them. I even had to go to myself. Who, who are they? Because yeah. oh right, yeah, they're his mates, but yeah, but their motivation is is I think revenge. But you're not really sure. And Buzz knew what he was getting into, so it's just a bit murky. I think in terms of character development and motivations, and I think. A little bit more, you could have had, a, you could have taken it up a, a notch. Although, you know, if it, if it wasn't carried by good performances and good elements of the script, I suppose it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tale of two sides of the coin in terms of the script, isn't it? On the one hand, it's really good dialogue and it deals with some really good themes, and on the other hand, it's a bit slapdash in places in terms of motivations. But that's the main thing for me. Um, what about you? Because I, I know you touched on some stuff earlier. So what, what? What did you not like? What would you change? Well, there are a, a a few things, but your point there that you've just made really informs my point, and I think right. I hadn't realised it. So Thank that's you. yeah. So that's Thank we're you. so in sync, man. So the main thing for me is that some of the moments that they build up to be really dramatic were just falling flat with me. So some of the stuff, like with the, when the kids are picking on Jim, there's all these long pauses and this really big, dramatic, tense music. But it felt like the film was really trying to build tension and make you feel on edge, but it just wasn't hitting me at all, so it all just felt a bit daft. Mm. So there's a scene where Jim is having a knife fight with Judy's boyfriend, Buzz, and this went on way too long, like they were dancing around each other with the knives and jabbing at the air for what felt like ages. And it just went on too long and it felt like a drag instead of feeling dramatic and tense. A bit the West stakes... Side Story, isn't it? It's a bit... It's, <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's... Now that you mentioned yeah. it, it was a little bit without the music. Um, the stakes just don't feel high enough for the amount of drama that is trying to be conveyed on mm. screen. So then I think what you've said there 
in not getting these bits of exposition of knowing, well, why do these characters truly feel this way? I really need a little bit more from you to know why does this matter? Why is this dramatic? Why is this tense? And why are you doing this? So I feel like what you've explained there really informs why I felt the way that I did. Mm. But I do want to say that there is one exception to this that was Ooh. one of the best moments in the film, except for, of course, Jim jumping over the fence and going, hi, which was and the, and the police, And the police sorry. And the police sorry. It's so funny. <laughs> but it is... So it is the end, so the final sequence, so when Plato gets shot by the police uh, and they have like a bit of the stakeout in the observatory. So I really did feel the emotional impact of that moment. Um, but it was the only time in the film where I felt like a, a sort of a true emotional mm. reaction and the sort of emotional reaction that I think the film wanted me to feel, which will just bring me on slightly to this next point, but you have already mentioned it, but that you're tearing me apart. Like, that that is funny now. Like, I can't... Unfortunately, it is, yeah. I can't feel the way that the film wants me to feel about that line. And J James Dean is obviously, he's like, he's crying, he's a mess, he's pretending to be drunk and then vulnerable and all this. Like, he's really, really acting. And, and I feel like in any other, if they were any other words, or if, if you know, Tommy Wiseau hadn't latched onto it in the way that he did, <laughs> it could still have that dramatic impact. But unfortunately, it just doesn't anymore, which is a bit of a shame. Um, the music I did find quite annoying at times. Did just you? the score, yeah. And the, what's really annoying me is that I can't, pinpoint why I found it annoying and that is not a good argument I like to usually come to this saying this is why I found the music annoying mm. it was distracting it didn't match the theme it didn't match the action whatever but with this I can't quite pinpoint why I found it annoying unless it was just that it was it was indicating something much more dramatic was happening than what was actually right. happening yeah um yeah. and then just finally just got to mention this as well all those actors are way too old they're yeah. playing high school kids and they're just so old, which means I did not connect to them as high school kids mm. at all, right? So you get it in something like Greece, but it doesn't matter as much because Greece is a totally different vibe. So you just kind of get on board with it. But with this, like, they all look about, they look at least in their mid-twenties. Buzz looked like he could be, he looked like he could be your age, Josh. He really could. Uh, like, 25, I was just, yeah, yeah. 25. 21, just yeah, turned 18. Mid-sort mid <laughs> mid mid 20s. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So no, I know just, what you mean. There's a touch of the Spider-Man's about it. There's like, it's a, in the, it's, a in the it's like when you look at it and they got the fucking five o'clock shadow and you're like, oh, yeah, it's a teenager. <laughs> Looking forward to your exams, are you? Exactly. <laughs> like, like, and I think the thing for me as well is that I did not know, because I did didn't really have any knowledge of this film at all no. before going in. I didn't know it was a high school thing. I mm. didn't know that it, it was a story about that and that it was a story about high school kids and, and the, you know, the, the sort of challenges that they face. So I wasn't quite prepared for it. So then when I'm watching all the opening scenes of, you know, J Jim being drunk in the police station and all this, and I'm like, I'm like, all right, so we went out and got pissed, like whatever. And then it cuts to him being in high school and it's like, oh, he's meant to be like, 16 or something so I was like <laughs> right okay so that's why um so yeah just a few things there I don't I don't want to say that it quashed the enjoyment of the film for me but as I've said before a huge thing for me is connecting to those characters or same, at least connecting same. to the story in some way and I just there was a gap somewhere it didn't quite make it from the screen into my heart which really is what I'm looking for and my heart's open like, Your heart's you know, well I'll, I'll cry at Ewoks. Like, I'll cry at anything. Like, <laughs> If I'll this be... film had been, 
entirely made with Ewoks instead of people. Different story, man. Different story. Like, I'd be, um, uh, I'd, the floodgates would have also, opened. Also, Ewoks I mean? and this film, both about rebels. So, oh my uh, God, yeah. you know. Oh, see, reverberating <laughs> but throughout no, I, time. I, I, I completely agree with you there. There's a certain disconnect. And it's not because of the age of the film. I think it's because of the the, the way the characters are written. I think you needed a little bit more meat on the bone in order to connect to particularly your leads to know why they did certain things. So in that sense, I think that there is a bit of an issue there with this, particularly with the script and that, and that development. Well, we'll move on now then to talking about the critical reception. Now, Josh, you have chose this. This is one of our classic films, so we do want to determine what makes it a classic, mm. if it is deserving of that status. But we will, of course, take a look at the critical it's reception. What we do. Because what we how do. could we not? So let me think about this. If we think about other classic films that we've mm. done, they always score pretty smash darn it, well, it, don't, don't they? they? I guess they're classics for a reason. And when they're truly classics it means that you can you know new critics can go back and watch these films now and come away with an overall positive opinion let me see it for me isn't as good as gentlemen prefer blondes it's a completely different beast Mm. it it really is it's a different uh, genre it's a different narrative completely when i think about the way it made me feel there was something missing, but I'd wonder if I am not the target audience or if maybe I'm just missing something. Mm. I reckon we've got to go into the eights. It's, it's easily... That's higher, it's than I thought. Be, That's higher than I thought. Yeah. I think I'll go... I, I, I'll say that it got like an 85. I'll sit in the middle of the 80s there with 85. I wouldn't give it that. No. I'd... I, I would probably... Oh God, I feel really mean, like giving it a low score. But if I, if that, if this film was made today, and I was watching this film today, and and James Dean wasn't who he is, and you know, we we push all that aside, I would probably be giving this like in a six, like in the realms of the sixes. Yeah. Uh, for how I think, like you said, not fleshed out some of the story and some of the characters were there. That's what I would give it. Okay. But I reckon it did pretty well, and I reckon the critics love it. So, yeah, so, I mean, for, from my own point of view, before I say the scores, I'd be pretty much the same as you. Like, mm. I, the the film was carried by the legacy of James Dean. Like, as a yeah. film, it was all right. There's some good stuff in it, good performances. But mm-hmm. but if it wasn't him, if it was someone who, you know, lived a long, happy life and either died or was still alive, you know, if it was, like, I don't know, someone else of the time, then mm. then it probably wouldn't be as iconic as it is. So mm-hmm. how do, how, how did it do? At the time of recording, IMDb gives it 7.6 out of 10. Oh, well, that's lower than I thought. It is. I was, I was surprised at that. But then we head on over to Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, and the audience that. give it 88%. Ooh, and the okay. critics give it 93%, which oh, gosh, averages okay. out at a whopping and accurate guess of 85%. No, yeah. shut up. Oh, so, God. Okay. I'm so good at this game. Two questions, then. <laughs> we got two questions. The first one, okay. numero mm-hmm. uno. Mm-hmm. Is it overrated, underrated, or appropriately rated? So I think it might be overrated, mm. Josh. I, 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 I have to agree. Yeah, I think it's mm-hmm. not massively so. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't mm-hmm. a terrible film. Not there was at good all. things. Not there was things. There was good things. There was issues. But I think eighty-five mm-hmm. percent for me overrated. And you'd probably mm-hmm. say the same. Yeah. 
So yeah. that might be our first overrated classic. I think. I think. Because didn't yeah, we say meet I... me in St. Meet me in St. Louis gets something stupid like hundred percent? Well, it got. I think yeah. I think because it got hundred percent. Yeah, it's overrated. But but it was one of those things where you know when you can still like feel it. Yeah. So if you can still feel it, I it's, think that's it's fine. But not for in my, this of the classics we've done, it's definitely not in my top. Like great, no. great dictators in in with a bullet at number one. And to be honest, I don't think anything's going to touch that. Yeah. So I'll be interested to know. And then yeah. it probably is gentlemen fur blondes. And then we you know we've done we've done mm-hmm. other ones as well. Saturday, Saturday Night, Night Fever, Fever was pretty good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So question number two, then the big question okay. for this episode, regardless of critical reception, does it deserve to be a classic? <sighs> so um I don't know if it deserves to be a classic. Oh. However, I do think that it clearly is mm. uh because of um the the sort of James Dean's uh, image, his name, mm. his his sort of the way he is as this mm. actor, as this character, that has reverberated mm. through time. The you're tearing me apart will now be iconic forever, whether for good reasons or bad reasons, doesn't matter, doesn't matter. Um, and the whole notion of a rebel without a cause, too fast to live, too young to die, like that's all to do with him, isn't it? Mm. So that's really, that is still very much present. Um, but I just, I, I'm interested to know what grabbed people about this. What, like, why did those critics it's, it's, yeah. give it those scores? It's, like, it's what is it really? It? What am I missing? Are they being what is it? Yeah. Are we reading too much into it? Are we looking too deep? Is it literally just because he was a pretty cool guy on screen playing a different kind of hero, something that maybe uh, cinema goers hadn't seen up until that point? And then because of his uh, very sudden and very tragic death, all those things together just kind of, that that's what it's about, isn't it? And that's the, that's the thing, isn't it? So for me, it does deserve to be a classic. And the reason for mm-hmm. that is, you know, we can sit here and we can say... Well, without James Dean and the legacy of it and his him being the king of cool and all that sort of stuff, it wouldn't be a classic. But the fact remains is he is in it. Mm-hmm. And and it has test, you know, people might not know what it's about, but the title, the sort of imagery around the film, the costume, the pictures of him, the famous pictures of James Dean, a lot of them are from this film. So it's unavoidable, a little bit like a sort of different, ver- a, a, a different flavor of the, of the gentleman prefer blondes discussion that we had is, Mm-hmm. He is in it. So, yeah, I think, yes, it is It is a classic. So, for me, yeah, mm-hmm. it, it does deserve to be a classic. It's just a bit critically overrated for my personal tastes. What say you? Yeah, I think and the fact is it is a classic and there are things in there that I was surprised to see for a film from that era. So we will put this one in the classic vault. So there we go, another classic film done and another classic film deserving of being a classic because we said so, who are we? Don't really matter. Um, <laughs> we said it, therefore it's true. Next week we'll be back with another episode and let me tell you, it's an exciting one next week because we've got some Ooh. very special guests joining us. And guests, it is, plural. And it's a plural. plural. It's, a, it's a first for Just Films and that, but keep an eye on the socials and we will tell you near the time who it's going to be. But do listen in because it's going to be, well, it is, because we already recorded it, a great episode. Uh, <laughs> in the meantime, if you want to get in touch with us, the email address is filmsandthatpod at gmail.com. We're on all the social medias, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. Check us out. We're always trying to put content out there. And please, please, like I said at the beginning of the episode, do check out the Patreon. And I'll tell you what else, we're on the television, aren't we, Alice? 
We are indeed. Every Friday evening from 6pm, we are on the local TV network. So if you live in Birmingham, Bristol, Leeds, Liverpool or the northeast of England, you can find us on Channel 7 on Freeview. Or if you live in North Wales or South Wales, you can find us on Channel 8 on Freeview. Or if you live anywhere in the UK, you can find us on Channel 188 on Sky. That's every Friday evening from 6pm, me and Josh talking about all our favourite underrated, underseen films and sometimes the odd classic as well. Yes, indeed. Lots of ways to see us and hear us aren't you lucky and again as ever thank you so much for your continued res- uh, support it really does mean a lot uh, and all i'll say before i go is little tease for next week is alice did you touch my drum set <gasps> no goodbye definitely from me. didn't touch your drum set uh, <laughs> cheerio <laughs> bye Step onto the legendary clay courts of Roland Garros, where the world's best players battle it out at the French Open for a chance to win a Grand Slam title. Tennis Channel Plus is your place to watch. Stream every court from your phone or smart TV live in HD. See the action unfold as legends fight for glory and new rivalries emerge. Daily live coverage begins Monday, May 20th, with match replays on demand so you never miss a moment. From the first serve to the final point, Roland Garros promises unforgettable moments and new chapters in tennis history. Stream now with Tennis Channel Plus to be there when it happens. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.